0: ask me from time to time if I have rules or guidelines that I live by. I hesitate to call them rules because that insinuates you have to follow them. You you don't. It's just advice and if it works for you, great. And if it doesn't, well, write your own or listen to someone else. It's not gonna hurt my feelings, but know that rules and advice are two different things. Never trust a guy wearing an ascot and a members only jacket. That's advice and trust me you should heed it. But rules? I have four. Four is a good number. Five or more feels like a list but four? Four sounds solid unless how many rules you should have becomes a rule, and then that's a vicious circle I want no part of. But here you go, the four rules. Have one good woman, check. Have two unimpeachable alibis, check. Have three go-to whiskeys, check. And four lawyers, check. Yeah, (laughs) if a life is in layers, you're gonna need a guy For each of those layers. Hi, I'm Dina Trapodos, and welcome to Whiskey Business, a podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey, and tonight we actually open up with some business. As I'm proud to announce our first sponsor on Whiskey Business, I mentioned four lawyers in my rules. Here's two of them. Whiskey Business is now proud to be sponsored by the law firm of Saya & Pyatt. Let us handle the whiskey business, but legally You could not be in better hands. If your whiskey business has stumbled into the DUI business, call Saia and Piat, And they cover other legal ground as well. That's Saia, S-A-I-A, and Piat P-I-A-T-T. You can contact them at 614-444-3036, or you can check them out on their websites at splaws.com and at 888 ovi Website sounds a little more specific, doesn't it? And since we're proud to have Saya and Pyatt as our first sponsor on Whiskey Business, we thought it would be kind of cool to do what I call a whiskey business revisited. John Seah was one of my first guests when we started this podcast last year. As we talked about the myth and mythologies of the Dreaded D U I or the O V I or the E I E I O. Regardless, here's some pretty interesting moments from that podcast with John Sayah on Whiskey Business. This is going to happen regardless of another podcast or not. A long, strong pour after one of those days. You know those days where all the little crap lines up and picks at you. You caught every red light. The guy in front of you doesn't see the turn arrow because he's texting. Your pen runs out of ink. Yeah, I still use a pen and write on paper from time to time. It works. You should try it. Or you pick the wrong checkout line at the grocery store and learn once again that express checkout is really just a theory and not a fact. No, nothing major, no tragedies, just a consistent series of inadequacies all day long, which brings you to this one moment where you can get it right with a good, strong, pour and some and some me time. Hi, I'm Dina Tripotis and welcome to Whiskey Business. A podcast uh, not so much about whiskey as it is with whiskey, and we've got a a good one on tap tonight. A top shelf one which we'll explain and talk about a little bit later on, Russell's Reserve small batch single barrel, which is a little redundant. If it's a small batch, it's more than likely a single barrel. Why a top shelf bourbon on this, just our our second podcast? Because I I have a top shelf guest. This evening, ladies and gentlemen, uh, my good friend and attorney at law, John Sayah of the law firm, is it Sayah and Pyatt? It is, yes. Sayah and Pyatt, and they've been in existence for how long, sir?
1: Oh, about uh, 29 years.
0: 29 years. You've been a lawyer for 29 years.
1: Can you believe that? I don't look that old, do I? No,
0: you don't look that old. (laughs) And the the topic of discussion tonight, um, John is one of the more, can I say, distinguished uh, DUI attorneys in the state of Ohio?
1: You can say whatever you want. I just can't say things like you that. You can't
0: so. say that? I can say it, though? You can say it, though. Because you, you do have a uh, an excellent reputation in that, in that field of law, in law in general. But uh, when it comes to... Yeah, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, just one of the things we're going to talk about tonight. The initials you never want associated with you or your life, the DUI and... And tonight we're going to talk about the myths and mythologies of uh, what you should do if you get pulled over for said DUI. Okay, so I find it a bit ironic that we're going to talk about DUIs while we're sitting here sipping a whiskey. Have you had a sip of the Russell's Reserve yet? Have I, you?
1: I have. It's very good. Mm-hmm.
0: It is good. It's a. Uh, it's it's potent, my friend. It's 110 proof. It's a, it's a big one, and this one uh, bypasses the, uh, the chill filtration process where whiskey is chilled at temps below freezing. That's so they can get all the acids and all the, the other unnecessary flavor factors out of, the, out of the mixed. But with this one, uh, by avoiding that process, the, the whiskey has a little more flavor, and you can see a little deeper color. And if you see, it gets a little smoky, a little cloudy when you put a little ice in it because it's the first time it's experiencing any type of, of temperature. But uh, it's good. It's a little more uh, um, expensive than your $28 bourbons. It runs about forty-nine ninety-nine a bottle, but well worth every sip. Uh, you actually have a story about Russell's Reserve?
1: I do. I uh, had an attorney down in the Cincinnati area who uh, referred me a couple cases, and I was uh, driving uh, through Kentucky and when he, uh, was going to be heading through Cincinnati, so I stopped at a... Uh, a little liquor store out on a on a back road in Kentucky, and I walked in and said, I, I need your best bottle of uh, best bottle of bourbon. And the uh, woman immediately reached for a bottle of the uh, the reserve and and uh, put it on the counter and rang it up. and uh, I was kind of surprised at uh, at the price on it that how, how inexpensive it was for the best bottle. and uh, I said, So is that your best bottle?' And she looked at me without a, a blinking an eye and said, you want my best bottle? Or you want my most expensive bottle?
0: There you go. Yeah, we we said that last week that you know a good bourbon doesn't have to be necessarily uh, a super high priced bourbon. Though some of the good ones are, but this one, this one, this one meets my criteria of under fifty bucks a bottle. Forty nine ninety nine. Yeah, it counts and it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and a little a little uh, burst of vanilla when you when you sip into it, and if you take your time, actually, if you drink it neat. You'll probably pick up a little hint of uh, of licorice and and anise if you just drink it without any ice. So you can do that on your own, people. First of all, let me ask you this: What is the difference between a DUI and an OMVI?
1: Uh, there's no difference. There's the, no difference. Nope. DUI, OMVI, OWI, OMVI. They all mean the same thing. They What's
0: all. O- Oh, what was it, o- O-W-I?
1: O-W-I, uh, that? Op- operating a vehicle while intoxicated. While intoxicated. D-W-I. Um,
0: driving under the influence? Uh, driving while intoxicated. Driving while intoxicated, oh, D-W-I, yeah. driving yeah. while intoxicated. So what, they just, uh, just state, throw a dart and pick one?
1: Throw a dart and pick one. Now, each state calls it something different. In Ohio, we had uh, O-M-V-I, which stood for operating a motor vehicle, under the influence we drop the m so you no longer have to have a motor on the vehicle so you can be arrested and convicted of a dui for riding a bicycle or a non-motorized vehicle
0: well, that doesn't days. seem fair that doesn't seem fair at all
1: not at all i, I guess... can't
0: drive my car where's my bike it doesn't matter really have you ever have you ever had a case where somebody was drunk on a bicycle
1: oh i've had several yeah seriously absolutely yes
0: got pulled over for driving drunk on a bike. How does a police officer pull somebody over on a bicycle?
1: I uh, had one guy driving down High Street, or riding, I should say, down High Street <laughs> on his uh, on his bicycle, uh, hit a couple of pedestrians uh, on the sidewalk. Oh. Um, yeah, I guess that would do it. Yeah, fell off, <laughs> fell off the bike, and uh, the, uh, the cops came, and he was drunk, and they arrested him for OVI
0: yeah do you lose your driving (laughs) privileges on something like that i mean
1: you you don't because it's uh because they won't take your driver's license away for that before you're convicted but if you're convicted
0: you can lose your driver's license you have to put training wheels on the bicycle
1: and then you may need training wheels (laughs) or maybe only ride a tricycle
0: (laughs) thus far in my drinking career i'm happy to say i've not had that experience i hope to god i never have to have that experience I don't know what we're going to do after we get done with this podcast, what the next move supposed to be. I will take the advice of my attorney on the premises as to what we should do after this. But when you get pulled over, you've been drinking, let's just, let's just set up the scenario. You're pulled over, you've been boozing, you know you've been drinking, and the police officer asks that piercing question, have you been drinking tonight? What do you recommend that people do? In the event that they get pulled over
1: well first and foremost ask for uh, to speak with your attorney before you answer any questions tell uh, that to the officer absolutely I'm not answering any questions until I speak with my attorney
0: won't that put the officer kind of um, I, I won't that I, I guess upset the police officer
1: well uh, it's a constitutional right to not speak to a police officer the officer would have pulled you over for doing something wrong in the first place in the first place so you're already accused of doing something wrong Uh uh-huh so why go any further you have a right to counsel um you you should go ahead and exercise that right and uh, indicate that you're not going to answer any questions uh, until you speak to a lawyer
0: so that pretty much nips it in the bud right there doesn't it absolutely and then what's he do uh
1: yeah usually get a little irate at that point in time And, and it depends on the officer depends on the time of the day the uh uh Third trick officers, the, the, the ones that work all night and work OVI enforcement, they're more realistic about what's going on. They're probably used to that. Um, first shift officers, second shift officers that, that are out writing traffic tickets, speeding tickets, and things like that, um, they're going to be a little put off by, by that fact.
0: So you say, I want to speak to my attorney. Are you immediately then arrested?
1: Uh, it depends. Um, depends on what the officer's next step is, whether depends on the reason why they pulled you over. Um, officers are looking for uh, what they call cues of uh, of impaired driving. Mm-hmm. Um, big misnomer, speeding is not one of those. Uh, driving too slow is one of those. So, um, you know, if, if, uh, if it's a minor traffic violation, the officer may not even be looking for someone mm-hmm. who's impaired. If it's a major traffic violation or you're weaving all over the place or Uh, in an accident, things like that. Um, He's going to be looking for signs of impairment, um, and then the officer could place you under arrest at that point in time if he notices an odor of alcohol
0: on you. So the guy that rolls down all the windows and drives the speed limit probably isn't doing himself any favors. He maybe should go a couple miles above the speed limit. Well,
1: (laughs) he's going to the speed limit, there wouldn't be any reason for the stop. But Driving too slow is a
0: reason or driving too fast is a reason. Which I found is always the case with my friends who smoke pot. Yeah, those are the guys that drive a little too slow.
1: <laughs> yes, I had a a friend of mine who's an attorney. Um, uh, just had a uh, a marijuana impairment case uh, that went to trial. I think yesterday, and uh, he was uh, asking questions uh, that he should ask the jury. and And the reason for the stop was uh, uh, was speeding. And I I told him about the uh, the story that uh, Johnny Carson always told about the uh, the one time that he admittedly smoked smoked pot and was driving down the uh, driving down the freeway in california and got pulled over and uh the officer said you know i pulled you over and he said was i was i going too fast and the officer laughed and said you were going 30 miles under the speed line.
0: <laughs> yeah that, that can happen it does tend to slow things down or or so i've heard <clears throat> all right so uh the dui all right so say somebody does not immediately say that you know i like to speak to my attorney first and the process uh, continues um should you blow or not blow the breathalyzer i know you go all over the country and actually have conferences in respects to uh the the breathalyzer do you not right? i do yes yes yeah are you are you allowed to talk about that oh
1: i am yeah absolutely okay um as you well know i own a machine, so yes, i do. can test myself and friends and uh we can see what it takes someone to get uh, to get over the limit um i think the first thing is that uh every person is different and every person is different every time they drink so it's really hard to measure what your alcohol level is going to be um but you can get a pretty good idea so um you know the average person uh if you go out and have two or three drinks um you should take the test you'll probably pass it the uh if you get up there you know into the four five six drinks uh you may you may not it depends also on how long uh, you drink too. There's there's a, a friend of mine from New York who actually did a test and uh, did one drink per hour um, and wanted to see how far you can go before it would actually start registering. Because um, for every drink that you have, about an hour later, it's out of your system. So uh, the individual, and he only did one with he only did it with one individual. So there's no published study or anything right. like that. But he said after about 17 beers, things got real screwy. The guy kept testing zero, 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 zero um, after having a beer and then waiting an hour and then having a beer and waiting an hour. After 17 beers, he went through the roof. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah, but it took 17. But it took 17. So. Uh, well, I remember you, you talk about you actually own a machine, and uh, I was at your home one time, and I remember that we, we actually tested the machine. I was drinking shots of, of Jack Daniels, as I recall. Uh, shocker b- i recall bottles but yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but i kept I, I i wasn't registering
1: no you uh yeah if I, I would take the test just about any time if i were you yeah
0: well but, but that but that has <laughs> does that have something to do with my particular body chemistry
1: yes everyone metabolizes alcohol differently uh it goes through your system differently the problem could be that on a different day and a different hour Uh, you may have registered over. It might have been that time of day with Mm -hmm. what you've had to eat and your metabolism at that point in time, um, that the way the alcohol was going through your your system uh, was not getting into your lungs and and getting into your breath and then uh, going into the machine. So we should probably do that again sometime.
0: Maybe we should, (laughs) see, because that was uh, a few years ago. Maybe my metabolism has changed and I don't... uh, I don't suck it up as much as I, I used to, but I remember that night you did something very interesting with a piece of Wonder Bread. Yes, um, which blew my mind. Explain that.
1: Well, uh, certain foods will register as alcohol in the uh, in the breath machine. Uh, Wonder Bread, um, pizza, um, and if you think about what alcohol is, and sugar, and yeast, and and uh, the Wonder Bread has a high uh, yeast content, and I'm guessing a high sugar content. And if you eat a piece of Wonder Bread, you'll you'll register. Uh, that will register as alcohol um, on on the machine. If you remember, I think it was my nine or ten year old daughter right, who was right. uh, who was blowing into the machine and registering uh, as as alcohol when she was eating the Wonder Bread,
0: which was just uh, just blew my mind. Like uh, I'm never eating Wonder Bread again, ever, <laughs> ever, uh, <laughs> while I'm out drinking <laughs> on top of things. So. um if you think you should blow or not blow to a couple it's, – so it's, it's up to your, your judgments at that point.
1: Yeah. What what I'm saying right now is very controversial in the, in the legal field. I, I think I was probably the first one, first attorney, OVI or DUI defense attorney, um, that started speaking out saying you can't just tell people to not take the test. If you refuse to take the test in Ohio –
0: Because that's always been, you know, what I've heard, don't blow. Yes. But you're saying if you think – You've only had two or three drinks go ahead and blow so if I if I've only had one drink one glass of wine uh, one beer and I blow positive I mean I I, I, you know I have enough to be considered uh, impaired now what
1: well you can always go get an independent test if you had witnesses that would indicate that you only had one drink uh, the machine is not flawless, so it 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 could register high, but uh, probably unlikely if you just had one or two drinks. Um, as you had more drinks over a time period, um, that would be more difficult to challenge. But you know, if you're out out to to dinner with your your wife, girlfriend, significant other, and you share a bottle of wine over dinner over the course of two or three hours, you're absolutely fine to have a uh to drive and then take a test um most of the people that would sit as your peers uh, judging whether or not you were guilty were probably in the same boat and did the same thing and and you know that's why it's still legal to drink and then drive uh, a car in in every state Mm -hmm. uh, because there are certain limits that you can be under and still be able to go ahead and drive a drive a car
0: so you say you were met with controversy when you said no when
1: when i first started practicing in the OVI area and concentrating in this area, um, everyone said, don't ever take the test, don't ever take the test. And then after learning about how the machine works, buying a machine, going through a course, uh, a course to get certified on on operation and maintenance and repair of the machine and learning the machine literally inside and out, I changed that whole theory and said I'd, I would take the test because um, I have blown into that machine uh, maybe thousands of times, but at least hundreds of times, one time I've tested over, um, and that was it. All the other times I I tested under. So I pretty much know that, you know, if I, I can have four or five beers over the course of three or four hours and I would, I would test under, I'd have no worry uh, about that whatsoever. And the same thing that the, the night that you had experimented with the machine um, and you had tested under, and there was probably no way, in fact, there was no way you were going to get in your car that night. No, I was not, um, and I didn't. I, yeah. I,
0: I stayed at your house for quite some time, right? And, and then uh, I, I think I drove myself home, but it was after. But it waiting, was at, right. You it would, was after I, I. had stopped.
1: Right, and you were on yeah. your way down. Yes, so from yes, so you had well, peaked I was on out. My way
0: down, all right. <laughs> you had you
1: had peaked. Your alcohol level had peaked out, yes. and you were starting to test lower and lower on the machine. Mm-hmm.
0: But I never tested uh, above the legal limit, as I, as I recall. Yep. Yeah. Um, have you ever been pulled over
1: i have i've been pulled over i've only been pulled over twice in my entire life
0: as as while you were a practicing attorney
1: while i was a practicing attorney and yeah at one time i had nothing to drink it was in the uh mid-afternoon um the the first time i was i was pulled over i had been out and i had uh, i had a couple of drinks uh three or four drinks over the course of probably three or four hours at dinner um and uh the officer uh um, didn't even ask me uh, whether or not I had anything to drink, uh, primarily because uh, it was wintertime. I had rolled down my uh, window about uh, two or three inches. I had my uh, license, my registration, my insurance on my visor, like I advise everyone to do.
0: Oh, really? Why Why is that?
1: Well, uh, imagine even more so in today's day and age with all the officers getting shot and things like that. But I can. not I mean, an officer going into a dangerous situation is kind of prepared for it mentally, but when an officer is approaching a vehicle on a traffic stop at night at 2 in the morning with someone who might be drunk, that's got to be one of the most sure scary situations for them. They don't know what's going to happen. So the last thing you want to do is be bending over and reaching in your glove box for a license or in your counsel because they think you're going for a weapon. So I actually had a police officer, a friend of mine, Tell me, just keep it up on the visor so that when the officer comes up, you just reach up. He sees your hands all the time. You keep your other hand on the steering wheel, and you reach up and you hand it out the window. And I did that and uh, never looked at the officer. Just looked straight ahead, handed everything out the window, and officer never even, never even questioned me. Really? Yeah.
0: Interesting. Now, let me—29 uh, uh, years a lawyer. Um, what made you go into law?
1: Well— I was eight years old.
0: Eight years old.
1: It was two o'clock in the morning. And my mother came up to my bedroom and got me out of bed and told me that the police wanted to talk to me. I uh, went downstairs to talk to the police and I was accused of breaking windows at our local high school right down the street plains high school uh-huh um and they had a report that it was a Saya boy who did it a say boy my oldest brother was uh, no longer living in town he had uh, been off to to college
0: were the say boys uh were they were they a bad lot growing up
1: uh let's just say my brother jimmy was not uh, well let's just say he had a lot of contact with the police he was the middle <laughs> okay. brother so uh so so the blame went to him right away right. but interestingly enough my, my brother jimmy had been uh and was away in california at the time he was uh, uh gone for two weeks went with uh, with my sisters and then brother in law of california so they said well if it wasn't uh if your oldest son is gone your middle son isn't here then it had to be your youngest son so uh, i had been in bed at that point in time for probably six hours got dragged out of bed and was accused of uh breaking the windows and uh
0: were you innocent oh yeah i was i was in
1: bed at the time it happened i was i was eight years old witnesses i was in third grade (laughs) Um, anybody
0: to corroborate that story
1: and uh uh so i got questioned by the police and got accused of this and ever since that day i i wanted to be a lawyer and uh went into criminal defense right uh, right from the start walked out of the uh uh law school got sworn in walked uh literally a block and a half down the street and hung my shingle out and started doing criminal defense work
0: wow wow all right (laughs) so do 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 you guys make up the bulk of the say a pirate practice or or there, there are other things as well because i remember i remember billboards yes in the city of columbus that caused a little bit of a of a controversy and a fuss,
1: they did. We um we also have a uh, domestic relations or divorce practice. Yes, uh, that was, w- that would be the other half of the practice. And
0: that was the uh, that was it was the divorce billboards. I think that caused a little bit of uh, well, they caught some attention because they were kind of um, racy, raucous, if you will.
1: They were uh, the the pride of those billboards, and we'll I'll tell you what they said in a minute was um, that was the same year when Nationwide Insurance. Uh, did something very, very unusual and did a, a, I'm not sure I can call it a billboard, outdoor advertising on the side of three buildings on High Street. And it was the biggest outdoor advertising Columbus had ever seen. Um, That got second place uh, award for the best outdoor advertising uh, in Columbus that year. And Say Empire got first place uh, by whatever group uh, association uh rates uh, rates outdoor advertising signs so i don't know if you remember it was the one with les wexner i do um, I it do. wasn't supposed to be les wexner but it was his image in a sure. uh, uh in, a, in an ad and nationwide kind of caught a little flack for that um well that that finished second we finished first so our, our billboard said um uh, it had it had a, a, a pretty um skimpy clothed uh, man and woman on it hugging and uh uh, it said uh, when it doesn't stay in Vegas, and then it just said, "Say Empire divorce attorneys." Uh, that was the entire the entire billboard. The very
0: so, uh, well, I don't want to say subtle, but the message was very clear. It
1: it was it was it was a difficult process that sat on my desk for over six months um, before I I could go ahead and okay it to uh, to put it up because if you saw the first ones that came across my desk the drafts i mean it was you worse know, oh my gosh 10 times worse and it was women only so i actually did a lot of research on it uh, <laughs> the um the the vegas ads um that they came out with you know uh, what happens in vegas stays in vegas they initially did male uh, ads for that, that featured males and ads that uh-huh. featured females and when they went to the the audience to to test market them the ads featuring males were hated by men and women. Really? The ads featuring women were loved by men and women. So that's why I think the first ad for what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas came out like within the last year that featured men. If you remember the first two or three for the past couple of years were about women in Vegas. Right, right. And that was that was the reason why. And then I don't, there was a an attorney in Chicago who got in all kinds of trouble and got fined all this money because... And on those on the side of a garage up there, he hung a sign that said, "Life is short. Get a divorce." Well, it turns out, <laughs> it turns out it had nothing to do with with the 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 ad itself or the content of the ad. He hung it there illegally and didn't get a permit. To, oh, to that's hang what it. it was. He hung it off the side of a parking garage, and he got in all kinds of trouble for for that. So uh, uh, after I I said it had to be gender neutral and. Uh, even after we came up with the final ad that that went up on the billboards, it still sat there for six months before I said, "All right, go for it." And then once once it it did, we got uh, yeah we got a lot of publicity out of it. We got a lot of clients out of it. Uh, we had a few people that hated it. Uh huh. Um, if I can share a story with oh, you, oh please Matt. do. That's what this, that's so, what this
0: thing's all about is the, the stories. You know, we'll, we'll, we yeah we'll talk about the whiskey right. later. I want the stories.
1: So so my my wife and. Kids are over at the uh, the church we go to making sandwiches for the homeless with a couple other uh, people <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon. And um, <laughs> well, my, my well, wife in ahead in of the
0: billboard, like we're gonna but, have to do all types so, of, of penance here before <laughs> be, once this billboard goes up, we're gonna start now.
1: So so yeah. uh, my wife, uh, there's a, a new woman there. My wife introduces uh, herself to her, and, and the woman immediately says, "Oh, is is." Uh, that's your husband who has that that billboard that and billboard. my wife got all embarrassed and say yes it is and it wasn't his idea and they hire a marketing firm to do all that and all this other stuff trying to talk her way out of it and she's like comes home you know she tells me the story and she's like i was so embarrassed by it and i said when people ask me if i'm the person who has that billboard i said no i don't know who the hell that guy is
0: <laughs> <laughs> just say no i don't yeah <laughs> We always All come right. back to the Russell's Reserve. What, are you enjoying this? I,
1: I am. I, the uh, flavors jump out at you. Yeah, they I mean, do. I mean, more so than uh, than just about any other bourbon I can think of right now. I can I can really taste. It's uh, got taste a nice
0: long finish. Um, maybe when we're done here, uh, I'll pour you one neat so you can actually uh, get a real a true taste of that, Greg. Did you like the uh, Russell's Reserve? You could taste the 110 proof right away. Yeah, but then it starts; it gets a little smoother. And as like I told you before, once if if you uh, if you see it getting cloudy, once you put the ice in it, there's nothing wrong with your bourbon. That's just because it is a uh, non chilled filtered, and that's the it's it's seeing temperature for the first time. So that's why it gets a little cloudy. But uh, it's a good stuff. Uh, I'll come back and tell you again that it's a uh, uh, forty nine ninety nine a bottle in most of your respectable liquor stores and uh not an easy one to to always get really it's kind of a one of those hard to find ones from time to time but it's a nice good special bottle if you're looking to get something nice for somebody and not spend a fortune when you need a lawyer what do you do and have you ever needed a lawyer over the course of your legal career
1: i have um and and i go to someone who specializes in a in a particular area Uh uh-huh um, so I, I kind of try and go out and find, uh, uh, find if I don't know, and usually I know who has the best reputation and who, uh,
0: what do lawyers look for in other lawyers if they need to be represented for something?
1: Um, I look for someone who, who knows what they're doing. Um, and, and it's, not going to be afraid to, to back down. Um, too many, uh, too many lawyers I think are, uh, uh, they're worried more about their next client and not about the. Particular client that they have in front of them at the time, and am I going to do something representing this client that's going to anger a judge or
0: mm-hmm. a prosecutor or another attorney on the next case? You continue to uh, learn, study, uh, and, and acquire knowledge, which I think is always a good uh, sign of any professional in their field. If they continue to to seek out more information about what they do and how they can do it better, which I know you do that—you go to conferences all the time, and you're you're constantly you know, sucking up the the learning experience to improve what you do, so. And since I know you do all that, if anybody should need the services of Saya and, and Pyatt, how do they get in touch with uh, your firm and the website or phone numbers, whatever the case might be for those here in the Columbus, Ohio area, for those who are seeking counsel outside the state of Ohio? <laughs> well,
1: we, we made it real easy, and the website and phone number are the same, so... 888-OVI-OHIO,
0: 888-OVI-OHIO.com. Simple enough. Well, the whiskey has been Russell's Reserve. The guest has been Attorney John Saya. Hopefully you were making some notes and... Here's hoping that you never get in that situation, that you're in a a DUI or an OMVI or an OWI or an EIEIO, whatever the case might be. Uh, So, in closing, let me just say uh, a couple of quick things. Uh, Whiskey Business is a Never the Luck production uh, recorded in cooperation with the Columbus Radio Group. All the opinions of the host and my reluctant guests are just ours and are not meant to influence you in any way, unless, of course, you are easily influenced And let me just leave you with this little piece of advice. Never drink anybody under the table. It's crowded down there, and the service sucks. To the next bottle, my friends.